Welcome to the Mavericks and Misfits podcast, where anyone and everyone who cannot bear the thought of remaining trapped in a status quo version of Christianity can find a home. Religious traditions eventually suffocate us. Empty church trends almost always leave us in the shallow end of the pool. But kingdom truth straight from God's word spiritually transforms us. And if you desire this, then you too are likely a maverick and a misfit. And now, here is our host, a Christian whose entire ministry has challenged the religious system, Jeff Lyle. Hey, I want to welcome everybody back to Mavericks and Misfits, especially since this is going to be uh, the final podcast of the year 2021. I'm going to take a little bit of a break uh, just between Christmas and uh, New Year's. And so just want to let you know that this one will linger out there for a couple of weeks before I do a new one. And then when the new year rolls around, we will get started off with a bang. And I uh, want to go ahead and wish everybody a very Merry Christmas. Um, I pray that you can keep Jesus in the middle of everything that's going on. And no matter what your Christmas traditions are, um, we just want to encourage everybody Uh, Keep your focus on the Lord. Enjoy some time with friends and family. If you get some gifts, that's awesome. If you get to give some gifts, that's even better because Jesus said it was better to give than to receive. And so whatever is going on in this Christmas time season, we hope it's awesome for you. And then we'll go ahead and wish you now a very happy 2022 as it's coming. I'm looking forward to 2022. Uh, I guess probably the further I can get away from 2020, the happier I'm going to be. But 2022 really feels like it's going to have a pulse on it. I didn't feel that way about 2021, to be honest with you. I I felt like 2020 and 2021 have been like one long year. But 2022 is going to have some kind of factor where it feels like uh, we've, we're getting a break between 2020. It doesn't mean that there's going not going to be some challenges. I'm quite confident that there will be. But I'm looking for God to move in a great way. You know, we finished up uh, around Thanksgiving time at our church, the church at Winder. We finished up the year participating in a regional uh, fasting and prayer time called Three Days Awaken. And uh, we really pressed into the Lord for breakthrough, a lot of repenting on behalf of the nation, um, a lot of prophetic and calling out to God for a renewed outpouring in our region. And we went hard after it too, just saying, Lord, if you will entrust it to us, we'll keep our little grimy hands off of it. We'll keep our names out of it. We just want to see the Holy Spirit move in such a way that it's undeniable. And nobody has to wonder, is this God or is this people? And, um, you know, we're, we're really believing that's going to pop in the upcoming year. And so I'm excited. I'm always excited when the calendar turns from one year to another. I love the month of January. Uh, it's just saying goodbye to the old and welcoming the new. And I hope that you can, you can feel that, you know, I mentioned that fast, uh, that we did back in around Thanksgiving and, uh, it was, it was great. I love fasting. I come from a fasting community with, uh, what is now Gate City. It used to be Newbridge and IHOP and, we had a weekly fast, and then we had a monthly three-day fast. And when I moved up to the church at Winder, one of the assignments the Lord gave me was to start building out uh, prayer emphasis here. Um, everybody votes for praying. I mean, what Christian is going to you know, vote thumbs down the concept of praying? But not every church is doing it. And um, so I knew one of my assignments when I came up here was to establish um, you know, a culture of prayer. And I had been here probably six months and the Holy Spirit had nudged me a few times saying, um, Hey, where's, where's the prayer build out that you were assigned? (laughs) 
And, you know, I, I, very typical. I was like, well, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm going to get to it, I'm going to get to it. And I was up at the North Georgia uh, Revival one Sunday night. It was a very rare night because Pastor Todd Smith did the preaching that night, and he almost never preaches at the Revival. He always welcomes guests to do it, but he preached that night hard on prayer, and I literally felt like God the Spirit yanked me up by the collar and said, are you hearing me? So I came back, and we established our Tuesday night prayer meeting immediately. I think within two weeks, we had it on the calendar, and we've been doing it ever since, every Tuesday night, fasting and praying, and then this three-day uh, fast was, I mean, this is a little embarrassing, it's the first multiple-day fast I've done all year. Um, sorry to disappoint you guys, but I've done several one day fasts, but, um, not multiple. And so during the fast, I felt weak. I did. I felt physically weak, mentally weak, and it was only a three day fast. So I'm out of, I'm out of shape when it comes to fasting, but during, of course, on the back end of it, you find all the strength, all the clarity, all the revelation, but when you're in it, it's not that awesome feeling. And so I got reacquainted with a level of weakness that I hadn't felt in a while. And during the fast, I just wrote down these three thoughts that I want to share with you today. I feel like I was supposed to not only process them personally, but to share them on Mavericks and Misfits. And so um, I want to talk to you literally about how to, how to appropriately, how to rightly address your own weakness. What do we, what do we think about weakness as Christians? Because it's a very understated component of the Christian life because nobody wants to be weak. And yet it is an essential part of the Christian life because there is an absolutely necessary embracing of a certain type of weakness that we must have in order to experience the ongoing power and filling of the Holy Spirit. And so it's that old issue of your strength versus God's strength. And if we're going to increase in God's strength, we have to diminish in our own reliance on our own strength. And very few people want to sign up for that. But as I was in the fast, I was actually in, in our sanctuary praying. And the Lord reminded me of three places in Scripture, three different men in the New Testament that um, approach this issue of weakness in three different ways, and I want to share those ways with you. The first two are wrestling with your weakness, and the third one is the proper way to embrace weakness as a Christian. So don't don't turn this off. This is important. I think it's even providential that it's the last podcast of 2021, because as we move into 2022, there's going to be some natural momentum, but God doesn't want us relying on natural momentum. He wants us relying not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And so it's important that we gain some some wisdom and some clarity. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, bless the listener right now. Pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation, according to Ephesians 1.17. Spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Lord, let it be upon those that are listening. And I pray that each man and woman, young person, would be able to address their own heart and how they're wrestling through the weaknesses in their life. In Jesus' awesome name, amen. All right, so I mentioned I've got three individuals I want to share with you. This is not sermonizing. I don't want to sermonize. I just want to talk to you today, but uh, I will read a few verses with each guy. And the first the first approach to weakness, this first issue of, you know, what do we do with our weakness? How do we rightly address our weakness? Well, Here's the first example I want to give you, and it's from the life of Peter. And Peter, prior to Pentecost, he basically had a moment where he said to Jesus, I will never be weak. 
Jesus, I'm never going to be weak. What, what am I talking about? Well, you're, you're familiar with it. It's in Matthew 26, verses 31 through 35. And it's that, that passage says this, that Jesus said to the disciples, you will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. And then Jesus said, but after I'm raised up, I'll go before you into Galilee. Peter answered him, though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to Jesus, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same thing. And so you've got Peter as this first example. And Peter reminds me of how I once was, reminds me uh, of a lot of young people that uh, can never envision themselves failing the Lord, an overconfidence in their own Christian ethic, their own Christian commitment, their own righteousness, their own uh, ability to endure and overcome temptation. And Peter verbalized it. I mean, remember who he's talking to? He's talking to Jesus. Jesus is telling Peter what's going to happen. And Peter's saying, no, it's not. He's in essence, he's telling the Lord, oh, you got me wrong, (laughs) which is in and of itself kind of humorous that uh, Peter is telling the omniscient son of God that the omniscient son of God doesn't know what he's talking about. And Peter hears this, you know, pretty cryptic kind of statement from Jesus saying, you guys are going to deny me tonight. And Peter exalts himself above his, above his peers. Notice what he says. He didn't just say, no, I'll never do that. He says, Lord, they might all do that, pointing at the other 11. These guys might do that. But me, I will never. You don't have to worry about me, Lord. I will never fall in that kind of weakness. I will never deny you. And Jesus strengthens it. And he says, Peter, 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 before the sun rises tomorrow morning, you're going to deny me, not once, not twice. Peter, you're going to deny me with your own mouth three separate times. Instead of being humble, instead of assessing the possibility that he might be overconfident, Peter says to Jesus, even if I must die with you, I'm not going to deny you. Now, we all know the story. Uh, Jesus goes to the cross. He's, he's on his way to the cross, and he's having to endure these false trials and the mockery of a justice system. And Peter is kind of hanging out nearby where Jesus is being put on trial, and he gets, he gets outed as being a disciple of Jesus. He gets accused by a little girl. The little girl says, hey, you're a disciple of this man. And Peter's like, no, I'm not. I don't even know him. Then it happens again a second time. He's like, I'm telling you, I don't know this man named Jesus. The third time it happens, he begins to invoke curses on himself. Most scholars think that he actually, you know, intentionally used profanity to show that there's no way he could be a follower of Jesus because followers of Jesus wouldn't use profanity. And so he says it in such a strong way and he's declaring curses upon himself And as soon as he does it the third time, the rooster crows, and he happens to see Jesus being transferred at that time uh, across the courtyard, and Jesus meets Peter's eyes, and the Bible says Peter went out and wept bitterly. So the first representation, the first issue of, um, if you want to call it, you know, how to rightly address weakness is you don't want to be like Peter. 
What am I talking about? You you don't want to assume that you're you'll never fall, that you'll never blow it. You don't want to declare boldly, hey, I got this, man. I, I'm made of something special. I'm something different. Uh, I don't know what you guys are doing in following Jesus, but my walk is super righteous, super insulated, super Christianized. And though everybody around me may enter into weakness, I want to tell you one thing. Look right here at me. I will never enter into a weakness. I will never fall. And Paul would write in a different place, and he would just say it this way. Beware you that think you stand, lest you fall. In other words, the people that are most susceptible to imploding in their weakness are those that don't think they have to worry about it. And so it's a humbling thing to recognize that we're not made of something super special. We are all um, you know, graciously redeemed, but it's the power of God that keeps us. And we cooperate with that power. But if that power is not what we're residing in, we will fall. We will fail. We will give into our weakness over and over again. So that's Peter's example. Let me take you one that's a little more complex. Let's go to John the Baptist. Um, John the Baptist, of course, was the forerunner of Christ. And as um, you know, Jesus was coming on the scene, John was really dominating. Everybody was flocking to John uh, the Baptist to hear his preaching. To He was calling out the religious leaders. Crowds were amassing. And then one day he sees Jesus and John the Baptist says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus comes to John and says, I want you to baptize me. John says, no, I can't baptize you. You, you got to baptize me. And Jesus says, hey, just baptize me. I want you to obey me. Go ahead, baptize me that all things may be fulfilled. And so John baptizes Jesus and Jesus begins his public ministry. John is still carrying on his public ministry and unfortunately, some of his disciples started getting jealous that Jesus was getting the larger crowds. And so in John chapter 3, verse 26, you read this, that his disciples came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you, speaking of Jesus, he who was with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing and all people are going to him. And John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from God or given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness. I said I am not the Christ, but I am the one sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. So what John's saying is, guys, I told you I'm not the man. Jesus is the man. I'm the forerunner. I'm the friend of the bridegroom, but I am not the groom. I'm the guy who gets to point everybody to the groom. And he says, why are you guys, you know, pulling on me like this? I told you that he would increase in prominence and he would be the focal point, speaking of Jesus. And then in verse number 30, John gives this pretty amazing statement. He says, he, speaking of Jesus, he must increase, but I must decrease. John said, Jesus has got to increase and I've got to decrease. And then he adds, he who comes from above is above all. He who is of earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. But he who comes from heaven is above all. Now, that famous statement that John gave, he said, I've got to decrease. And so here's the second way of, you know, properly assessing your weakness or addressing it. John the Baptist is saying, hey, guys, I know how to be weak. Whereas Peter said, I am not weak. I'll never be weak. John the baptizer is saying here, no, guys, I got this. I know how to be weak. You see, this is the will of the Lord. I've got to decrease. He's got to increase. And so John is approaching it 
theologically. He's approaching it humbly. He's being honest. He's acknowledging that in this role that he has, there needs to be a diminishing so the prominence of Jesus can can take its centermost place in the eyes of the people. Sounds like a really healthy attitude, does it not? I mean, how else should we respond? So what John's saying, remember, he's at the top of his game. And by the way, he's still got crowds coming. Jesus is doing his thing, and they're getting bigger. John's doing his thing, but it's, it's, it does. It sounds genuine and authentic. I think it was. It sounds humble. I think it was. John's telling his own disciples, hey, guys, listen, my whole, my whole assignment is to make way for Jesus. I've got to now decrease because Jesus is here. And so as time went on, you know, John's crowd would have decreased and Jesus would have kept growing and growing. But ultimately, John gets in trouble. John pronounces some pretty harsh moral indictments against Herod and his wife. Herod married his sister-in-law. And John called them out on that. He said, hey, man, you've got your brother's wife as your wife now. That is adultery. That is sin. That is immoral. you got to repent. And it deeply offended uh, Herod's wife. And so she um, was so offended that she motivated her husband to take John and put him into prison. So John's sitting in prison. Okay, John's sitting in prison. But remember what he said. He said, hey, listen, I know how to be weak. I've got to decrease. Jesus has got to increase. And so it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to start living it. And so John is now having to live it out. And so as he's doing so, you know, maybe it's easy for a day. Hey, maybe it's pretty smooth for three days. It wouldn't have been the best conditions, but hey, after all, I'm decreasing and Jesus is increasing. And I'm sure as I decrease, Jesus is going to come get me out of here and all is well. This is just a blip on the radar. This is just a moment of decrease. I'm cooperating with it. I know how to decrease. I know how to embrace my weakness. But um, Jesus doesn't rescue John out of the prison. I want you to let that sink in. Jesus allowed John to stay in prison. And John, the longer he stays in prison, the more his weakness and the impossibility of his situation and the more the the negative emotions of abandonment, isolation, fear, hunger, deprivation. John's weakness is no longer, longer theological. It's no longer theoretical. John's having to deal with it every day and it goes on and on and on. To the point where John the Baptist gets gets word to his own disciples and says, will y'all go find Jesus? Guys, go find Jesus and ask him, hey, uh, are you really the Messiah or should we look for somebody else? Now, just trace that with me. John started out pretty, pretty zeroed in, pretty lasered in. I've got to decrease so that Jesus can increase. Hey, my disciples, I I know how to be weak. This is what is written. This is my role. I'm going to be on the decrease. Jesus is going to be on the increase. And so in essence, he's saying, guys, I got this. I know how to do it. But it was all theoretical when he said that. It might have even been theological, but it hadn't happened yet. It's one thing to say, I know the principle of decrease. It's another thing to have to live it. Uh, Guys, I remember at the end of uh, 2018, it was, wow, good night, three years ago now. Uh, the Lord spoke to me in November of 2018, and he said, 2019 is going to be your year of decrease. It was loud and clear. Like, it was a prophetic word, but it might, have, might as well have been a public shout. I told Amy about it. I said, wow, the Lord's telling me 2019 is going to be my year of decrease. 
And so I prepared for it. I humbled myself. I did everything that, uh, you know, a a mature, faithful, Jesus-loving Christian ought to do. And 2019 was difficult. It was difficult in ministry. I had difficulty in relationships, but I was decreasing. I was trying to stay humble. About August of 2019, uh, my confidence, my theoretical, theological knowledge that it was good to decrease, it's good to embrace weakness, it's good to go low so Jesus can be accentuated and be more manifest in my life. Um, I lost my grip on that and I started getting in the flesh. I'm just confessing my sins here. I mean, I did at the end of 2019, really probably late summer around August, September, 2019, I just started getting my flesh. I was getting sideways with my co-laborers where we were ministering. I was headbutting, and I, I just got in my flesh. And then right in the middle of that November of 2019, a lump appears on the side of my neck and I find out within a few weeks I've got cancer. And so 2019's theoretical weakness became actual at the end of 2019 and carried me even into deeper weakness in 2020 where I got sidelined from ministry. I had to go through chemo and radiation. Um, It was just a mess. There's too much to go into, but I'm going to tell you, there's never been a season in my Christian life uh, more so than that six months or so where I... I recognized I didn't know anything about being weak. It was all theoretical to me. Even though we had endured hardship, we had endured loss and tragedy in my family, that was when things really imploded on me, and it broke me. It straight up broke me. Here's John the Baptist sitting in prison, and the man who once declared, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, is now sending his messengers saying, Ask him if he's actually the Messiah, or did I get it wrong? Should I be looking for another? Why did John have that shift in perspective? Because he was being confronted with his weakness. He, he was no longer preaching. He was no longer gaining large crowds. He was no longer doing his thing alongside of Jesus, doing Jesus's thing. And Jesus didn't come and rescue John. He didn't get him out of the trouble. So, so when, when the Lord allows your situation to break you and doesn't come in swooping with some heroic rescue, but allows you to sit there, um, it can test your faith and you can learn, oh man, I don't really know how to be weak. So Peter was overconfident in the sense that he thought he'd never be weak. John's approach to his weakness was highly theological, but the Lord let it get so intense that it was no longer theological. John had to wrestle through his struggling faith, ultimately to the point where Jesus sent word back to John and said, John, I am the Messiah, the blind see. The lame are walking, the deaf are hearing. And John, by the way, blessed is the follower of mine who doesn't get offended with me. Like it was an intense, it was, uh, it was, it was not what I would consider like nice, sweet, and tender Jesus. It was, John, you and I both know you had to decrease, and your decrease is going to take you lower than what you thought. And I want you to know, as low as you might be allowed to go, I'm still good, and I'm still the Son of God. So the third one and the final one is Paul. You got Peter, you got John the Baptist, and you got Paul. And I'm just going to say, for me, Paul's response is the healthiest of the three. And you may be surprised because let me tell you how I would summarize it. Paul said, I don't want to be weak. (laughs) Peter said, I'll never be weak. Uh, John the baptizer says, I know how to be weak. But Paul says, I don't want to be weak. And to me, that's the most honest one. And I think you'll identify with it. But here's the thing. 
It doesn't matter if you think you'll never be weak. It doesn't matter if you think you know how to be weak, or it doesn't matter if you're going to say, I don't want to be weak. You're all going to have to deal with your own weakness. Me too. And so Paul's is just the most honest. It doesn't, it doesn't exempt him from dealing with his weakness. It doesn't mean he doesn't get tested. It doesn't mean he doesn't decrease. It doesn't mean he doesn't suffer. It just means that his attitude is the most honest and the most accurate. Peter was honest, dishonest and inaccurate. Peter, you know, was just way off target. And then, you know, you got John the Baptist. I think he was being honest, but he was inaccurate because he didn't know how to be weak. He knew how to handle a certain level of weakness. But as the weakness got worse, he got humbled and found out, oh, my goodness, I'm wrestling even with my faith. But I like Paul's because Paul's like, I don't like this. I don't want to be weak. What am I talking about? Second Corinthians chapter 12. You know these verses. Come on now. Y'all know these. So Paul had gotten caught up to the third heaven, had had these amazing, stunning third dimensional, fourth dimensional revelations that he couldn't even tell us about. And they were so extraordinary. This is what he said God had to do. He said to keep me, this is 2 Corinthians 12, 7, to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Three times he says, I don't want to be weak. I don't want this thorn in the flesh. I don't like this. Three times, and this is no spiritual wimp. This is the apostle Paul. And three different times, three different seasons more than likely, he's pleading with God saying, I don't want this in my life. Take it away. And in verse 9, Jesus answers him and he said to him, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Don't miss that. Jesus says to Paul, and he also says it to you, my power is made perfect through your weakness. Therefore, Paul says, therefore, in light of the fact that Christ's power is made to its fullest potential in my weakness, Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses. I'm content with insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. And here's the summary statement. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I love that. But let me tell you why I love it as I close out the broadcast. I love it because Paul didn't say, I'll never be weak. I'm not weak at all. Paul did not hide behind that. There's a lot of people that just, because they say, well, we don't want to speak death over a situation. So instead of speaking death over a situation, they speak a lie about it. Look, friends, if you're weak, you're weak. And I appreciate the fact that I understand power of life and death is in the tongue. That's not what that's talking about. We're not Christian scientists. Christian science don't believe in reality, and that's not us. We're followers of Jesus. Paul didn't say, there's no thorn in the flesh. Paul didn't say, Satan's not sending anything my way. Paul didn't say, I love this, and it's perfectly fine, and it's perfectly normal. He said, no, I've got a thorn in the flesh, and I hate it. I don't want to be weak. I don't like this thing. It's coming from the devil, and Lord, I need you to take the bad thing away. And we don't know what the thorn in the flesh is, and that's not really even important. It's the principle that we've got here. Let, let whatever you're dealing with be your thorn in the flesh. It wasn't a sin. Don't let it be a sin. 
the Lord Jesus doesn't leave a sin in our life. That's not what this is. This is some external thing that was provoking Paul. I believe it was in his body, his physical flesh. I'm not positive of that, but I do believe that. And it wouldn't go away. And so Paul was saying, I don't want to be weak. And the reason why I like that is because I don't want to be weak either. You don't want to be weak. We don't like not being in control. We don't like not being at the top of our game. We don't like interruptions. We don't like delays. We don't like detours. We don't like struggles. We don't like weakness. And so Paul is being honest about it. And I love the fact that he went to the Lord in honesty about it. He said, Lord, can you get rid of this thing from my life? And it says that there were three separate occasions or seasons where he was praying about this thing until finally he got an answer. And the Lord's answer was this. I'm leaving the weakness with you. I'm not taking the weakness away. I'm not going to solve the problem. I'm not going to remedy the malady. I'm not going to allow you to get up from under this thing. And let me tell you why, Paul. Because I want you to learn to live by my strength at a higher level than you ever have before. And so, Paul, I've taken you up to the third heaven and you've seen things that would result in you being arrogant, conceited, and walking in superiority. And so in order to remind you that apart from me, you can't do anything, I'm going to allow this messenger of Satan to afflict you. Now, a lot of people don't like that either because they think Jesus is obligated to take every difficulty out of our lives. That is also not biblically true. Everybody you admire in scripture had trouble. Everybody. Anybody that's ever done anything for the Lord had to put up with some trouble. And they made themselves an object of the enemy's attention. And so that's just the way it works. Sometimes the Lord makes a way of escape that we don't have to deal with it at all. And sometimes he just gives us grace. That's what he said to Paul. Paul, I want you to know, your thorn in the flesh, your weakness is a gateway for you to rely on my strength. And my strength will be perfected in your life through your weakness. Paul, if I don't leave you with the weakness, you won't rely on my strength. You'll rely on your own strength. And the end result of that is you'll be arrogant, conceited, and puffed up. And Paul, I love you too much to let you live that way. So I'm going to leave the weakness with you. Paul said, I don't want to be weak. The Lord said, my mind's made up. And he said, Paul, I want you to know something, that when I leave your weakness and you rely on my strength, my strength grows in you. That's what you need to hear with this. You don't want to be weak. That's fine. But let me ask you a question. Do you want to be strong in the spirit? Yeah, Jeff, I want to be strong in the spirit. Okay, then you're going to have to become weak in your flesh in some level. Now, I think I'd rather have um, no weakness and strength in the spirit. Sorry, that's not the way it works in the kingdom. Because you reach a certain place where the Lord has accentuated your strengths. He's honed your strength. He's, he's blessed your abilities. But the greatest treasures in the Christian life are not in your strengths, your gifts, and your abilities. They are when you run out of your strength, run out of your gift, hallelujah, run out of your abilities. And that's where you connect with his strength. And so if you really want to be titanic in the spirit, if you want to be like seriously used of God, if you want to know the fellowship of his sufferings and know Jesus on an intimate level, you can't do it apart from weakness. Even though you don't want weakness, you need weakness. I know that a lot of people say, well, Jeff, that just doesn't sound right to me because we have such a triumphalism in us. We think we're supposed to win everything on every level. And what we don't realize is when you are dependent upon the Lord down here, you're winning. When you're dependent upon yourself down here, you're losing. 
And so to make you the winner that he's destined you to be, he's got to get you to depend on yourself and you won't depend on him if you always can depend on yourself. So what does he do? He leaves you with weakness. And so Paul's end result was this. He says, now guys, he's writing this many years later. He says, now I just rest in my weaknesses. He actually said, he said, I boast in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He wasn't afraid of his weaknesses. When he looked at his weaknesses now, he said, now that's just the open door for God's strength to walk through into my life. And he says, I'm content with weakness. He says, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. So that's a lot to chew on, man. I hope you'll wrestle with this over the next couple of weeks. But man, I don't necessarily want you to wrestle with it. I hope you'll just receive it. But if you do, if you are struggling to, to receive it, then you better wrestle through it. Because you're not going to be the exception to the rule. Forgive me for being so bold, but I'm coming against this stubborn spirit that thinks, nah, I don't have to do that. Listen, you hit a brick wall when you refuse to trust God with your weaknesses. You don't grow anywhere past that. That is a stopping point for you in your spiritual growth trajectory. As soon as you stop trusting God when your weaknesses manifest, that's where you stop. But if you will welcome the weaknesses to be a gateway into his strength, strength that you don't know anything about when you're strong in your own strength. But when you let your weaknesses open you up to his strength, that's where the filling of the Holy Spirit comes. That's where the outpouring of the Holy Spirit comes. That's where the rivers of living water stream forth from your belly. That's where anointing and revelation comes from. It's not in your strength. It's not in your abilities. It's not in your awesomeness. It's in your brokenness and your dependence upon the Lord that comes through the gateway of weakness. All right. Well, listen, guys, listen, I'm, I've got to, I'm out of time. So I appreciate you tuning in today. I really do. I wish you a, just an amazing 2022. I pray that the blessings of God will rest upon you. And I pray that um, if you're discouraged and down right now and you're feeling your weakness, maybe this has actually encouraged you to let you know you're not some spiritual weirdo. If, if you're experiencing weakness, bring the weakness to the Lord and be as honest with Paul. Say, Lord, I don't like this, but I've learned today that my weakness is actually a gateway to your strength. So I'm going to go ahead by faith. I'm going to thank you for my weakness and will trust that it'll become your strength. That's a great way to end one year and to step into the new one. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to Mavericks and Misfits. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Mavericks and Misfits. If you were helped by what Jeff shared today, please take a moment to rate and review Mavericks and Misfits with Jeff Lyle on iTunes or Spotify. Your review helps us enlarge our digital footprint to reach more potential listeners every week. Also, please take advantage of the free written and video resources made available at transformingtruth.org. Join us again every Tuesday for a brand new episode of Mavericks and Misfits.